Sano, your host at College Hoops Chat, our weekly college basketball radio show, right here at WVOX, 1460 AM in the great city of New Rochelle, New York. Uh, looking forward to an exciting show tonight, folks. We have a lot of guests. This is a big guest show. I got Sam Basil calling in about Fordham. I got Patrick Madden calling about Seton Hall in the Big East. Tim Daniel about Xavier. And, of course, Kenny from Rye. And then a special guest, my son, Mikey. Let's get right into uh, what we're going to talk about today. So, it's crazy out there in college basketball with all the shutdowns and the cancellations and COVID, Omicron, spreading around college basketball. It's really kind of ruined a lot of the sport in the last couple of weeks. So, let me talk about some of the games I did watch and that kind of worked out to be exciting games. Saturday, this Saturday, I spent my uh, January 1st uh, doing a Big East Saturday. Uh, I watched Villanova against Seton Hall. Villanova won 73-67. Nova looked good. Balanced scoring, four double-digit scorers. Gillespie, Slater, Morris, Samuels all had double digits. Uh, Seton Hall got a big lift from uh, Bryce Eichen and Harris. Roden and Yetner were good, as they always are. At the end of the day, though, it was a little too much Villanova for Seton Hall, who was down two players because of COVID. Villanova was down one player for COVID. These are two teams in the top tier of the Big East right now, along with Xavier, UConn, and Providence. I watched Providence blow DePaul off the court 70-53. It wasn't even close. DePaul had a soft non-conference schedule, and it's getting revealed. DePaul only shot 29 percent from the field. The Friars' hot start continues. They're 13-1. Ed Cooley, as usual, is doing a great job. I also caught the end of regulation of two overtimes of Creighton at Marquette. 75-69 win for the Blue Jays. Creighton's playing really well. That freshman, Nebhart, they have, plays like an upperclassman. Marquette has really good D, but Creighton has three freshmen in their rotation, and they're going to be a really good team uh, in years to come. All right, let me jump to, to uh, another game Saturday, uh, Baylor and Iowa State. Baylor won 77-72. Uh, Iowa State was unbeaten prior to that game. Baylor's now 13-0. It's just an incredible story, the Baylor Bears. Do you realize that Baylor is 67-6 and in the last three years? Let me say that again. Baylor is 67-6 and in the last three years. They've won 92% of their game. Their three highest scorers left to go pro this season, and they're still number one in the nation. They won the national championship last year, lose their three biggest scorers, they're still number one. Great coaching job by Scott Drew. Um, They have seven guys right now, Baylor, that average between nine and 14 points per game. All right, a couple other things I want to touch on. Auburn, watch out for Auburn. They crushed LSU 70-55. to It was LSU's first loss of the season. Auburn only lost to UConn in a wild game back in November, 115-109. to Auburn is loaded. 
This is their best win of the season so far, Auburn, LSU. They've had a subpar schedule. That's why not a lot of people are talking about Auburn. But they beat Loyola Chicago. They beat Syracuse. They beat UCF. Beat St. Louis. Beat Murray State. Those are pretty good wins for Auburn. But big games coming up. They're going to tell us a lot more about Auburn. January 11th, they're supposed to play at Alabama. January 26th, they're home to Kentucky. Hopefully those games get played after everything going on with COVID. We'll see. But I'll be really looking forward to see Auburn at Alabama and Auburn versus Kentucky. I watched Michigan play University of Central Florida. And although since that game, UCF lost to to SMU, University of Central Florida really uh, kicked Michigan's butt. Michigan's not that good a team this year. They're, they, you know, they're way overrated in my estimation. Every time I see Michigan, they're revealed as a team that's got a lot of flaws. I don't even know if Michigan is going to be an NCAA tournament team once they get into the rugged Big Ten. All right? So there's a bunch of stories I wanted to start with today uh, before we get into Iona, our local home team. That is another school dealing with shutdowns all over the place. But in the meantime, I was at the Iona game yesterday. Iona played Marist for the second time this season, uh, and Iona got the win, 69-66, but it was tough. Iona had a tough win yesterday. It was not easy. Both games against Marist this year were close. Within the last three, four minutes, could have gone either way. Uh, In this game yesterday, came down to the last minute. The Gales were lucky to win both games against Marist. Marist is really well coached. They play terrific defense, tenacity. Um, Iona only shot 12% from three, which was kind of surprising. Two keys to Iona's win, and also these were mentioned by Coach Patino, was that uh, his full court D made a difference, and it certainly did, uh, including stopping Marist uh, from inbounding the ball and getting some turnovers. And... Seven block shots by Owen in the game, including five by Nellie Jr. Joseph, who also had 11 points and eight rebounds. Uh, so Nellie Jr. Joseph, pretty good game, right? 11 points, eight rebounds, and five block shots. And I'll tell you something, he didn't have his best game. It wasn't his best night. So Iona got the win yesterday against Marist. Tyson Jolly had a great game with 18 points. Ryan Myers got 11 as I said, Junior Joseph got 11. Elijah Joyner got 11. Clayton got 10. So they guys stepped up and scored against a really rugged Maris defense. Iona got the win, but it wasn't easy. That's what I wanted to tell you uh, today. Another interesting thing about Iona's game yesterday, and that was that Osborne Shima, Iona's seven-footer, Iona has a seven-footer, uh, kind of a big-time recruit that Rick Pitino was able to get. He had never really done much for Iona because he's been hurt or they felt uh, he wasn't strong enough and filled out enough to play. He's very skinny. He played eight minutes yesterday. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out was that Osborne Shima was supposed to be out for the season. We weren't going to see him. Well, Osborne Shima played eight minutes and uh, got zero points and one rebound, uh, but nevertheless... He, uh, as Rick Pitino said in the press conference, he needs to eat. He lost too much weight. So we'll see what happens with Osborne Shima. He's a a seven-foot athletic guy. At some point, he might be a big-time player. 
for Iona. And one other thing I want to mention about the Iona game. Uh, I mentioned already that Marist is very well coached by John Dunn. They play terrific defense. They play team basketball. They have a lot of guys that can score. Uh, but the one person that kind of jumps out when you watch Marist play is a freshman named Jao Atuka, who got 13 points against Iona. He's averaging 13 points a game. He's from Maryland. He's a scoring guard. This is a really good player uh, for Marist. If Marist can keep him there, you can really build around him. So they have a great coach. Uh, they have a terrific freshman, uh, a really good sophomore, too, in Ricardo Wright. So Marist is a team to watch in the coming years. This seems like they're building something at Marist uh, basketball. All right, let me get into the schedule uh, situation for Iona because it's a bit of a mess. I think Iona's next game will be January 11th, playing Fairfield at 2 p.m. Uh, that seems to be the next game. Iona's got a lot of cancellations. Iona's cancellations Friday, December 31st. Siena was canceled. They were supposed to play Sunday against Fairfield this past Sunday, yesterday. Uh, that got canceled. That's how Iona played Marist. So Marist became the substitute game for the canceled Fairfield game. So yesterday, Iona and Marist juggled their schedules because they were healthy. But Iona did play yesterday against Marist instead and won 69 66. That game was supposed to be played January 21st, so it was moved to yesterday. Now, Iona's got two cancellations this week. They're supposed to play St. Peter's Friday, canceled. And they're supposed to play Monmouth Sunday, canceled. So um, those two games are going to have to be rescheduled. We don't know when those games are going to happen. So, But Tuesday, January 11th, Iona is scheduled to play at Fairfield uh, up in Connecticut. At 2 p.m., weird start time for a Tuesday game. It's going to be hard for fans to go, uh, but that is the day Iona will be back on the court. So now they got a break of about uh, eight more days. Iona's got a lot of breaks right now, and it's a shame because they're hot. They're strong. You want to see them keep playing, uh, keep learning under Coach Patino, keep getting better. So um, that's the Iona situation. Tough scheduling, but everyone's going through this. As a matter of fact, Hey, Chuck, let's go to the phone line. We ready to go to the phone line? Is this me? The guy uh, put me through. My name is Kenny Washington. Okay. And I want to uh, just plug uh, uh, my uh, my book. I'm a New Rochelle resident. I've emailed you before, Jim. I was a, a New Rochelle high school player. I played in uh, Europe. I remember you played in Europe. I, I saw that you got into the Westchester Sports Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. So I've just written a memoir, and it's on uh, uh, Amazon Books, and it's called Kentomania, a black basketball virtuoso in communist Poland. And I, I just wanted it out there. No, that's great. You know, yeah. That's great. So tell everybody the name of the book again on Amazon that they can buy about your history starting in New Rochelle that yes. led up to you playing overseas uh, behind the Iron Triangle. <laughs> Kentomania, a black basketball virtuoso in communist Poland. And for those that have any kind of, uh, maybe if you can Google Kent Washington, Polish uh, basketball, and you'll see some articles in English that you can kind of reference so that 
you know the, you know, historical uh, nature. Oh, my. sure. No, that's great. You know, um, you, you do have a great story. I, I read the whole thing about you in the Journal News. It was a great story. And are you on Twitter by any chance? No, I'm not. I'm not a social media person. I'm 66 years old, turning 67 soon, and that's not my... All right, so here's what I'll do my, for you. Yeah. I'll take what you just told us, okay. and I will put it up on social media for you. I'm going to share the information okay. about your book both on Facebook and Twitter and let people know all about it. Oh, that would be very kind of you. I shared your story that was in Journal News. I did share that article uh, on, on social media already, just so you oh. know. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, I'm not good at the self-promoting uh, part. I'm very embarrassed by by that part. But I would like my story out there because uh, it's an interesting story, uh, I think. you know. You, I do, too. All right. Yeah, so maybe let's that. get you on another time, and we could spend like 10 minutes talking about your background. But in the meantime, we're going to share your information about your book. Thank you so much, Jim. You're welcome. Have great. a great night. Thanks so bye much. Bye-bye. All right, super. All right, so let's go to the phone line. Sam Basil. Sam Basil right now. Okay, Sam, are you there? I'm here, Jay. You are my Fordham Rams contact. So we're going to talk a little Fordham Rams because we have a little soft spot in our heart here for the Fordham Rams. Because, Sam, I think you're a lot younger than me, but I have great memories of Iona playing Fordham as a rivalry in the early Mac in the 1980s. Those games were war, wars. They were terrific. And uh, that was a time where, you know, Fordham was good enough to win the MAC and good enough to go to the NCAA tournament. They did go back then one year. Those are great memories. I loved when Fordham basketball was good. I heard all the stories about the 70s with Digger Phelps. So we have a new coach. Uh, Kyle Neptune. And it's funny that you bring up that uh, Iona Fordham rivalry because I believe this year uh, Fordham did not. They obviously did not have Iona on their non-conference schedule. And I think uh, Rick Pitino kind of took a dig at Fordham, saying they're a bit too scared to schedule them. So hopefully, you know, Rick Pitino puts his money where his mouth is next year, <laughs> and they get each other on the schedule. Well, I'll tell you one thing about Rick Pitino. i got to give him credit now. I'm an Iona fan, so I have my bias, Sam. But I'll tell you something. He put together a wicked non-conference schedule. There's not a cupcake on that schedule. And they, I think they wanted to play St. John's and Fordham, to kind of get the New York rivalries going. And I think Iona was a little disappointed that they couldn't get those games. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, Fordham had a bit of a congested uh, non-conference schedule as well. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't really say whether or not they were scared to face Rick Pitino and Iona, but, I mean, they had some pretty big teams uh, this season. I mean, they got that Fordham got a win against Akron down on the Gulf Coast Showcase. They, you know, they, they held their own against St. John's and Miami, Miami being uh, at the same event that uh, – Iona took down Yale in, a, in an excellent game. But, yeah, you know, Rick Pitino's cooking up something great at Iona, something really special. And hopefully, you know, Fordham and, and Iona kind of, you know, share that glory, you know, against each other at some point. It is my goal to have them uh, scheduled every year in the future. I know a lot of people in this area want to see Fordham play Iona every year in basketball. It's so unfortunate they don't. And I, I know you agree with Sam. That's great. All right, so tell us about... What's going right with Fordham? They've got the new coach, uh, Neptune. Tell us about it. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, long story short, I think this is a very good time to be a Fordham basketball fan. I mean, it's been a good time to be a Fordham women's basketball fan for a long time. But now, you know, on both sides of, of the floor, you've really got some great programs going. I mean, I think Kyle Neptune right now, uh, you know, Fordham is 8-5 and five 
They, they're currently 1-0 NA-10 play. They won their A-10 uh, opener last week against LaSalle. Uh, and I think, you know, what we're really seeing this year uh, in terms of a change from what we saw in the Newbauer years is just a renewed energy around this team. Uh, from the fans, to the players, to the coaching staff, uh, it's there's there's just a different energy around this team in terms of, you know, it's a lot more exciting ball, a lot more fast-paced. Uh, they still maintain that excellent defensive intensity that uh, Jeff Neubauer developed, but their offense has really, really taken that next step, especially when it comes to a guy like Chuba Ohams. I mean, in his in his final year of eligibility, he's really developed into such a major all-around player, and it's really something special to see. I mean, he's always been an excellent defender, an excellent player in the post, but you watch him now, he's almost playing like a – like a stretch four in the sense. I mean, he moves the ball so well. He'll be all over the floor. He can shoot from the perimeter. He can hit it from the elbow and then be right back on defense and then on the next play get a slam dunk. So, I mean, there's just so much going on with this Fordham roster. And, I, I you know, no matter what their record is in A-10 play this year, I think they're really setting the foundation for something really special in the future. So they beat LaSalle 69-61, LaSalle being uh, a fellow uh, Atlantic 10 teams. So that was a good win. I, I do think you had a bit of a cupcake schedule so far. Looking at uh, Fordham's schedule, uh, it's not impressive that he did get. They are eight and five, but the medal's going to meet the road when they got to play in the Atlantic 10. Yeah, of course. I, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? That what you just said at the end there? I, uh, the medal's going to meet the road when they got to play in the Atlantic 10. Yeah, I mean, of course. Uh, you know, you look at their schedule. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a cupcake schedule. You had some big opponents on there. Like oh, come St. on. Johnson Columbia, Miami. University of St. Thomas, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, Central Connecticut State. Those are all cupcakes. All right. Oh, well, you, all right. You might have me there, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think it doesn't matter the opponent that they play, but I think it's, you know, how they got those wins. And that's just really excellent team basketball. That being said, I mean, going into this Atlantic 10, uh, this, this current Atlantic 10 conference, it's, it's really hard for me to see them you know, doing anything as, as, as far as going far in the Atlantic 10 tournament. I do think they can be a serious challenger. Uh, the Atlantic 10 has always had those teams that kind of, you know, cause a problem for some of the top guys in the early two rounds. I think last year that a perfect example of that is St. Joe's. But by, by no fault of Fordham's, I think, you know, this, this Atlantic 10 conference is going to be very tough. I mean, of course, you've got St. Bonaventure. That's, you know, even though they've been going through all those injury problems, I think they're still the top team in the conference. Dayton, who's kind of snuck their way in with their really young rotation that's going to be really good for a long time to come. And even St. Louis and Davidson, who have kind of, you know, just stayed on that radar. It's just the bar of entry for the A-10 is so high right now. I agree. That Fordham just needs to focus on developing, you know, what they've got. Uh, listen, I'm a big fan of the Atlantic 10 Conference. I went to St. Bonaventure, so I understand how difficult it is to navigate there. Um, and I'm really hoping that Fordham can become a competitive team that – you know, uh, at least to get going as a mid-level team that can compete against everyone. I know you want that too, Sam. So give us some reconnaissance. You got the LaSalle game in, but University of Massachusetts yesterday was canceled. This Wednesday against St. Bonaventure, canceled. So the next game is this Saturday, uh, Richmond, January 8th. What are you hearing? You know what? It's 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 a day-to-day issue. Um, I think, I think it, it really depends on... On, on what's on what's the what the current situation is every day for all these teams in terms of staying healthy in terms of testing negative 
what's going on with this new COVID variant? Uh, it's it's you really have to you know refresh every day and see what the situation is. So I'm hopeful that that they'll be able to get this game going. I mean, the Atlantic Ten has been has been scheduling you know seven games a day, uh, three times a week for the past you know week and a half now, and they have not been able to get it going. Right. So you know. Which I think is which I think is a problem in mid-major basketball overall right now because if you can't play games, you can't look good for the selection committee, and you can't get those at-large bids. So, you know, as long as these teams can keep testing negative and be eligible to go on the court, I think the A10 really, you know, really needs to, you know, try and get as many games in as possible. Especially when they when they talk about how these games are getting rescheduled. I like that they're standing optimistic, but unless they're playing every day in February, I just don't think that's going to be happening. I agree. So, I agree. It's going to be tough can. at every conference, not just the Atlantic Den, the whole darn country. But I'm noticing it seems like a ton of the cancellations are coming out of the Northeast. A lot of the states have stricter COVID rules, so that some of the teams are under stricter rules. So we'll see. Um, I hope they get in this game. Uh, Richmond's a tough team on January, right? That's going to be a tough one for them. Yeah, you know Richmond. Richmond is a tough team. I mean, they're they're a very experienced team. I think the youngest player on the uh, on the team right now is about twenty two. Uh, you know, just with all the different ways that you know NCAA, the NCAA has been able to extend eligibility, you've got some guys that have been there for a long time. So it's a very experienced Chris Mooney squad. But Fordham, even you know, even under Newbauer, has always been one of those teams that can sneak uh, a win against an upper level A ten opponent. So, I mean, I. I I, I wouldn't go into this one expecting uh, Fordham to get kind of washed out. I mean, you look at their game against Dayton last year, and you look at how much better this team is right now than that team was last year. And, you know, I, if I was a Fordham fan, I would, I would go into that game relatively hopeful. All right, that's good. Good to know. Well, I'm excited to uh, watch Fordham this year. I'm rooting for Fordham. I'm hoping Fordham uh, moves up in the Atlantic 10, becomes a real competitive team. I am very fond of your new athletic director. I think he's doing a terrific job. I think they hired the right coach, who's former assistant at Villanova. So I do think Fordham's on the right track. And uh, Sam, I'm glad you called the show and give us updates on Fordham. It's a big help. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad glad to be on here. Glad to be talking Fordham hoops. That's great. So, um, all right, do you go to all the games, Sam? I do. I go to as many games as I can. All right. So there's the music. Next time I, I'm going to go to a game this year, I'll send you a text so we can meet up. Yes, flag me down. I hope to see you there. That's great. All right, Sam Basil, thank you so much for your report on Fordham basketball. All right, folks, there's the music. We're going to commercial break. We'll be right back for the second half of the show. Okay, folks, it's Jim Misano on College Hoops Chat Radio Show here on WVOX 1460 AM. And I'm jumping right in with my friend Patrick Madden, who should be here, talk about some Big East and Seton Hall. Patrick, are you there? Patrick, are you there? We lost Patrick. Uh Uh-oh. Hold on. Patrick is our Big East guy and our Seton Hall guy. So um, I always like to talk to Patrick because... Uh, he has a, as much information about the Big East as anyone I know. Is he there now? Patrick, are you there? Yes, I am, Jim. Sorry, the connection must have fallen off. No problem. All right. So your Seton Hall Pirates lost their last two games, but I have to tell you, 
they played pretty well without two of their better players. Well, I mean, they did keep two ranked teams pretty close. Uh, they, they fought to the final minutes against Providence and Villanova. Uh, my take, though, is that you win a lot of moral victories on social media, but you need to get real victories on the court. And, yes, you know, missing Samuel and missing Obiago definitely does not make Seton Hall the team that we saw back in November. But at some point, you know, you got to fight through those injuries and you got to find a way to get some victories. Big one tomorrow night at Butler. Uh, Samuel and Obiaga will not be there. So at some point, guys like Roden and guys like Kale have to step up and pick up the slack for whatever's missing from the big guys who have been out the last week. Well, that game against Villanova, you must have been pleased with Aiken and Harris, right? They gave your team a nice lift. Well, Harris definitely did. Uh, he finally hit some jump shots. He's been struggling a little bit with the speed of the Big East and, you know, finding his range. But he finally, you know, was the Jameer Harris that everyone was expecting coming out of American. Aiken has shown a lot of the things that we saw when he was at Harvard a couple of years ago, and he's healthy. So the combination of those two things makes Aiken a very dangerous guy, particularly in the closing minutes of games, when it seems like every time he gets the ball, he makes something happen. I agree. He almost got Seton Hall past the finish line in the game in Providence and then the game on Saturday against Villanova. I agree. I mean, if you saw Aiken play last year for Seton Hall, folks, and you saw him this year, it's like a completely different player. He's so much better. Yeah, you didn't really see him last year because he got hurt on the in the first game of the season, and they get hurt in a game, I think it was in the middle of January. You know, all the COVID pauses notwithstanding, you know, Bryce Aiken was not nearly the guy who people saw at Harvard, and now he's showing some of that, you know, in his second season at Seton Hall. So we'll see what happens uh, as we go forward through Big East play. All right, Patrick, I want to... I want to uh, raise an issue with you, and I want your feedback. Ready? I believe right now, having watched the Big East for the first two months of the season, although, of course, we want to see more Big East teams playing each other, and now we got all the cancellations. But from what I've seen in the first two months, the Big East has kind of separated itself out a little bit, where right now I think there's five teams in the Big East that I could see any of the five being the Big East champion, and that would be Villanova, Seton Hall, Xavier, UConn, and Providence. I think those five teams have taken a little step forward. What do you think? I don't want to count St. John's out until they see the court, uh, which hopefully, which apparently from what I saw, they're going to finally get a Big East game in on Wednesday night at home against DePaul. Uh, Providence definitely belongs in the conversation in either the top tier or the second tier of the league simply because they've just looked unbeatable. Uh, you know, over the last, let's, over the first couple of months of the season. I mean, they decimated that who people thought was a really, you know, up and coming DePaul team out in Chicago the other night. And then there was the way they beat Seton Hall last Wednesday. So Providence definitely belongs in the conversation. I want to see St. John's play before I totally count them out. Uh, and I, I forgot, they actually played Providence uh, up in, up at the Dunkin' Donuts Center on Saturday afternoon. So, you know, St. John's, hopefully they get that game in against DePaul. Uh, they can get themselves warmed up for a huge matchup. against. It's a good test for both teams. Uh, you know, Providence, you know, is ranked number 16 in the country now, and they want to keep that momentum going because they're really aiming for 
a top four seed in the NCAA tournament at this stage, and St. John's needs some quality wins to get back into the NCAA conversation. So that's going to be a nice matchup on Saturday afternoon. Right, Patrick. As you know, I am a St. John's fan, and um, I've watched almost every minute of every game, and uh, the team has not played well so far. So that's why I don't have them in my top five, but you're right. Once they get back on the court, they could jump back into the conversation real quick. Yes. I agree. All right, Patrick, great job. Thank you so much for your update, and I'll be talking with you over the next week on Twitter for sure. All right, thank you very much, Jim. Thank you, Patrick Madden, my Big East guy. Thank you so much. All right, Chuck, do we have another caller on hold? We're rolling through the callers today, folks. This is great. All right, this is going to be a brand-new caller, someone first time we're talking to, a friend uh, from Twitter, Tim Daniel. Tim, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Um because I'm impressed with the team you cover, which is Xavier. <laughs> now, first, tell everybody about your podcast and about uh, the teams you cover, because I think you also cover Cincy, too, Cincinnati. Yeah, I do. So, uh, yeah, I work on uh, 48 Minutes Basketball Network. We started as an NBA podcast and then started getting a bunch of college credentials. So, uh, really messed up on the name there. But, uh, yeah, we cover Xavier, uh, Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati, and Northern Kentucky University. So, I've been lucky to see some good teams in my five or six years as a credential media member. Well, I've listened to your podcast. You guys do an excellent job. Happy to have you. you as a, f- a friend of the show, and we'll certainly talk to you in the future about Xavier. So let me give you my take on Xavier, and then you hop in. How about that? So Sounds great. In preseason, I had uh, Xavier either number two or three in the Big East. I wasn't sure. And the big thing holding me back was Zach Fremantle. I wasn't quite sure when he was going to come back, but he did come back. They're now 11-2. and two. You know, they got uh, two tough losses. They lost to Villanova on the road. They lost to Iowa State, who was unbeaten at the time, and was unbeaten until this weekend. So you have two quality losses, that's for sure, two really good teams. But then if you look at who Xavier's beaten, it's really impressive. Ohio State, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Marquette. Um, so I think uh, they've had a pretty good um, season so far. Um, so I feel good about what I'm seeing. I've, I've watched Mark uh, Xavier play a few times now. Um, so I think they're a team that's in the mix to win the Big East. Uh, I have five teams right now that I think win the Big East. I, I don't know if you heard me. I just said it to the, the prior caller. You know, it's Providence. Uh, it's Villanova. It's Xavier. It's Seton Hall uh, and UConn. Those are the five teams right now I, I think could win the Big East. Maybe St. John's down the line. Uh, all right, give me your take on Xavier. Am I right? I'm I'm on the same wavelength as you are. So, yes, I'm right there with you. I think they're certainly talented enough. Uh, and the thing that's kind of different this year, obviously, from the previous years of Travis Steele kind of moving on from Chris Mack is he's got an experienced team now. Um, you know, they had, he's been bringing in Jucos, who's just trying to figure it out in a few months span. And now he's, you know, this, you know, the only good thing that came out of the COVID year is he's getting guys that can stay another year. Um, guys like Adam Kunkel, who got to play a year early instead of sitting out and transferring. Um, guys like Nate Johnson, who was one of the top shooters in the country, shooting at seven attempts a game, shooting 47% from three. Um, and he's a the guy they got from Gardner-Webb last year, and he's really kind of finding his stride and savior. And, you know, you mentioned Zach Fremantle, but it's like Jack Nungie has been tremendous for them, obviously, against Cincinnati. And the Kiss Crosstown shootout debut had a 30-point double-double. So he'll he'll go down in Xavier legend lore forever for beating their Crosstown rival like that. And, of course, you know, everything starts with Paul Scruggs. He's an experienced guy. He's a 5th, 5th-year senior. Um, 
you know, they're, they're very deep, they're very talented, they're very experienced. I think, you know, as you know, playing in the Big East, those are three things that are going to be very helpful for your team moving forward. I agree. Listen, um, I love Paul Scruggs. He's a veteran. He's smart. Um, he seems to always make the right play when you need it. I've always liked Fremantle, right. but Fremantle, his scoring is, is in half. Last year, I think he's had 16 points a game. He's down to eight. Is he starting a little slow coming back from the injury? He started a little slow. Um, he did. And then, unfortunately, I mean, the other part of this is, like I mentioned earlier, Jack Nungy's just been tremendous. Right. Um, you know, he's been coming off the bench for them, and he's kind of really made a name for himself. He's been Big East Player of the Week already. And, you know, in years past where you look at a situation like Zach Fremantle, um, they've kind of needed him to score a lot more. And they're in situations now where, you know, while he's still getting his legs underneath them, he had a great game, uh, the game right before Crosstown shootout for David Skipping my mind right now, who they played. It was an Ohio school. Um, he was outstanding in that game. And then, you know, Crosstown played decent. But he's really picked it up defensively. And I think that's where I'm really impressed the most. And that's something Travis really, you know, every college coach emphasizes uh, defense and rebounding. Um, and that's where Zach is, while he's kind of figuring out his spot on the team, is really kind of emphasizing what he can do for them. And it's been great to see uh, this team plays really well together as a team. And Zach's definitely one of their leaders. I agree. So Jack Nunchy came from Iowa, folks, and is one of the more significant transfers in the country. He kind of stepped yeah. in and made a real difference for Xavier. Absolutely. So, you know, he's, he's from Indiana, um, grew up in Indiana, so he's fairly close to Cincinnati, uh, where he grew up. I believe his brother goes to Xavier. Uh, he's a guy that's been through hell and back, man. I mean, he had to sit two years at Iowa. Um, there's a story about, unfortunately, about his father passing, and, you know, he came here to be closer to his family, from what I understand, and just really kind of taking the ball and ran with it. He's a great kid. Uh, he's got a lot of energy, and, you know, guys like him and Jerome Hunter, who have played big-time Big Ten basketball, come here, and they have that toughness, and it's just what Xavier needs playing in the Big East. Oh, I agree. So, we haven't talked about the guy I really like to watch play, because I think he's got a big upside, and he keeps getting better and better, and that's Colby Jones. Yeah, my guy. That's your guy, huh? Yeah, big fan. So tell us about him. Colby Jones is the best, one of the most best rebounding guards I think I've ever seen play college basketball. He just has a nose for the ball offensively and defensively on the boards. Um, you know, you mentioned he gets better and better every game. And you're starting to see guys like um, Sam Viceni from The Athletic have him on their big board. And you're starting to see his name come up more and more with NBA, with NBA scouts. And he's a guy that can certainly play at that level. He's very intelligent. He's a really good defender. He's an awesome perimeter defender. Really athletic and kind of a guy that came in under the radar. Uh, was in the same draft class as, I mean, the, not draft class, wow. Same recruiting class. I talked to many different types of basketball, as you can tell. Sure. As uh, Duan Odom. And Duan Odom was kind of the big, big recruit from that class, four star, top 100 player. And Colby Jones was a three star in that class and was really kind of, Taking that step, and if you talk to you know guys like Dante Jackson and Coach Steele and who are on the Xavier coaching staff, and they absolutely love him. You know, Travis went as far as to say he's one of the most pop, uh, most talented guards he's ever played with. And you got to think this wow. guy was an assistant for Chris Mack with Trayvon Blewett and Edmund Sumner and JP Mcira. Sure. No, he was Colby with those guys. Yeah. All right, there's the music. Tell us quick, uh, uh, Tim Butler on Friday. Is that game going to happen? Sounds like it's going to happen. All right, so Xavier Butler, that's a great game on Friday. Right, Tim? It is. They're at Hinkle. Nothing like it. If you like the movie Hoosiers, it's the location to be. All right, Tim, great job. Thank you for the show. We'll get you back in another time. How about that? 
Sounds great. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Tim Daniel covers uh, Xavier. All right. We're going to commercial break. Come back for our final segment of the show. Okay, folks, we're back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Massano, your host here on WBOX 1460M. And we have on the line Kenny from Rye, our number one caller. Hello, Kenny from Rye. James, how we doing? Good, thanks. So um, you watched the Ioni game on TV yesterday. What, you, what, what did you see there? Um, the, their, their Achilles heel is going forward is their outside shooting. And that, that's played out in a few games. <clears throat> when, when they shoot well from the outside, particularly in threes, <clears throat> in, in the teams they've played, and then particularly in the Mac, they're unstoppable. So Patino, I think, knows that. So that's why he doesn't talk about offense at all. He talks about defense, defense, defense. And, again, that's what ended up winning the game for them the other day. They got hot. I shouldn't say they got hot. They, they played better offensively the last five minutes. And their defense, you know, stepped it up, and then obviously, you know, basically got Maris to, you know, basically, quote unquote, go cold. But I think that's going to be their Achilles heel. Achilles heel. They 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 seem to be okay one night, and then horrific the next. Well, Coach Patino said after the game that um, he felt that they actually got some good looks from three. They just missed them. Um, yeah. They but interesting. They shot twelve percent, like in the first half, and they shot twelve percent in the second half. So it clearly was not their night from three. Listen, the, the difference in the game, as far as I could see, beyond defense, as you said, is no question. The full-court press uh, made a big difference for Iona, got them some turnovers. The seven-block shots made a big difference for Iona. But the other thing that made a big difference for Iona was just Tyson Jolly. Tyson Jolly took his game to a different level. He kind of took over the game offensively for Iona in the last 10 minutes. And, and let's face it, if Tyson Jolly doesn't get hot, they don't win that game. Yeah, I mean, he, he obviously was sent a message in the first half when he sat right. for an extended period of time that you know, whatever he was doing at that point in time or whatever he's being instructed to do by Patino in the system, he was not doing. And he, I was seeing that a couple times with him this year. It seems like he's asking more of them, and when he doesn't do it, he's basically he sits. And it doesn't mean he's not going to play. It just means sit, observe, and then, and then get it together. But he has responded each time. And as you say, for the last five, ten minutes of the game yesterday, he was the difference. He was the difference. He scored 18 points. Uh, the guy who sits next to me, Richie, very knowledgeable Iona fan, points out that they also rely on Tyson Jolly as their second-best defensive player. So there's a lot on his plate, uh, and he was a key player in that game yesterday. Also got 11 points from Ryan Myers, 11 points from Junior Joseph, 11 points from Joyner, and 10 from Clayton. So a lot of guys did pitch in. Uh, but you're right, when Iona doesn't hit hit their threes, Iona's in much closer games. But, of course, that's true for every team in America. Yeah, it, it's just a matter of, and I, I've seen this firsthand with Providence, is that you sometimes you just don't have people on the team that are consistent enough to shoot the three. And as we all know, you and I know as we watch this game, these games on the weekends, including the pros, 
it is a three-point game now from a perspective. You need at least two people, and you need to keep it in the high 20s, if not the low 30s in college, to be effective from the three-point line so that when you're in the teens or worse, it's kind of game over for you from a perspective of you're playing a team of equal, equal caliber. You're right. You know, think about it. I only shot 12% from three. If they shoot 20, which isn't so great, they're up like another six to nine points. Yeah, as you say, and that just changes the whole dynamics of the second half, which changes the dynamics of what they're doing. Um, you know, as you say, in college basketball, and, and Pete Dillon used to be the one, I always thought he did a good job. Pros is different. In college, you get down by 10, the whole mentality of the college player changes. The whole mentality of the team changes. So that, as you were saying, if you're up by six or eight, six or eight points versus you know two one trading back and forth, different ballgame. All right, Providence, you blew DePaul <laughs> off the court, seventy fifty three. The game was never close. Um, what you think of that game? Yeah, it was never close. Uh, I, I will say uh, Providence probably looked as as good as they have all year. Particularly, they were at DePaul. Not that DePaul had much of a home court advantage, obviously. But from a perspective of what they did, I, I don't think DePaul had seen a team as mature, as strong, and um, as defensive, uh, at least sophisticated, that they had with Providence. And Providence, I think, was just gaining more and more confidence uh, with a, you know, a heavy, mature team. It's great to see because it reminds me a little bit, I hate to say, of the old Big East when people used to stay three, four years. We now have guys that have been there four years plus, guys that have sat out one year. But the team starts, as it should, with people who have served their time and been there four years. And the two transfers, the two fifth-year transfers, have been such value-added, particularly your, your guy from the University of South Carolina, Manaya, as they, saw him, he, as they call him the Swiss Army Knife. He does everything well. They put him on the best player, whether he's the guard or the, or the center. He rebounds. He had 11 rebounds the other day. The team looks really, really good. I think they need to get away from this focus on where they where they stand in the, in the in the national polls. I don't think that means anything. They just need to focus on the next game. But I love the maturity of the team. Thirteen and one, Providence Friars. Thirteen and one. I bet you didn't think we'd be discussing that uh, on uh, January third, Kenny. I didn't think we would be thirteen and one I, by no means, but I did think we would be better. I thought last year last year's team was flawed. In a lot of ways, uh, Bynum was, did not have the preseason in practice, so it became a problem, and it, the ball just got stuck, and, and, and that became a big problem. This year, they talk about it over and over again. The team is on the same page. Everybody is on the same goal, to get to the dance and win some games. Period. All right. And so they're focused on that. We just had a nice caller who covers uh, Xavier. What are you thinking about uh, Xavier this year? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I like what you said about the teams on top there from a perspective of what they've shown early on in the year, uh, the teams that are going to make a difference. I mean, Rothstein gave, uh, you know, John Rothstein gave a shout-out to Villanova this week because of the, the, the preseason schedule they put together and the fact that they have a mature backcourt. He said it's going to make a huge difference down the end. He said keep an eye out for Creighton. They get better and better every game. And Xavier's done a very good job. I mean, from a perspective of the wins they've had, they've had some great wins, yet they lost pretty handily to Villanova. So. We'll have to see, but I agree with you. It is kind of a two-tier league right now from a perspective of what we have, top half, bottom half. And I think St. John's, as you and your caller mentioned, are trying to find out where they are. Are they six or seven, or are they four or five? From and they can't get on the darn court. That's the most frustrating thing with St. John's. I mean, they're having such a hard time getting on the court. 
which makes it worse is when we've all remembered this from last year, not only on the court, but are they practicing? Right. So, you know, if, if you're shut down and you don't have a COVID issue, you're practicing. So right. that, that, that's a big difference. And I think any coach will tell you that there's not, there's not a negative day when you're practicing, but when you're shut down and half the team has to stay in their room for five or six or seven days, whatever the hell it is, then that becomes the problem and it starts to feed on itself. All right. All right, Kenny from Ryan, I think we have another call coming in. Do we have another call coming in, Chuck? We do. Kenny, thank you so much as always. James, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Kenny from Ryan, number one caller. All right, to finish up the show, I think we have my son, Mikey Misano. Are you on the line? Yes. All right, so Mikey Misano went yesterday with me to see the Ionic Gales. He's been watching Ionic Gale games since he was like, Six years old, and he got to see the new gym. What you think of the new gym for Iona? Um, I thought having uh, fans all around the court was definitely would definitely be good for them. If you know there was a larger crowd there, you know we went obviously you know the other day, and COVID's getting a lot worse, so crowd was down a little bit. The kids are on spring break or winter break, so didn't get to see it packed. But I'm sure when there's a lot of people there, the new gym is a lot uh, more fun. It's true. One. All right, so you got to see Iona live. What I know you've seen them with me um, on TV. You got to see them live. What do you think of the Gales? Uh, I thought they looked really good. I thought they looked really gritty. They seemed like they were all really bought into everything that Coach Patino was telling them to do. Uh, I thought that their shooting seems like it could be an issue in both the games that I've watched uh, just over winter break, you know, so in December. Um the three-point shot seems to be somewhere where they struggle, but they play really strong on defense, and the ball movement's usually pretty solid. Um, and I love Nelly Jr. Joseph and the uh, the impact he can bring on defense. He's a really exciting player. Interesting you say that, Mike, because you and I were, were noticing that he wasn't having his best game, but when I looked at the box score at the end of the game for Nelly Jr. Joseph, 11 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 blocks. So even when he had a, a little bit of an off night, he's still a difference maker. Yeah, definitely. He um, he finds a lot of ways to impact the game. You know, his length impacts shots on the inside. He blocks a lot of shots, too. Uh, Coach Patino said after in the game that he blocks shots like a volleyball player. thought that was a good way to that catch was neat. Like, like what he does on defense. That was neat. Good catch. Good catch. So, um, uh, and what about Marist? You were, I think you were impressed at Marist's defense, weren't you? I was very impressed with Mary's defense. I think that there was definitely more talent on the on Iona's side of the ball than there was on Maris, but it was a close game down to the wire, and I think that was mostly due to Maris' half-court defense being really, really solid. Um, they got out to shooters uh, at the three-point line. They contested mid-range shots. They were uh, big in the paint, even though they weren't as big as Iona. They played like they were bigger than they were, and that kept... Uh, Kept things close the whole game. So I guess you will join me in the prediction that Iona College will be playing in the NCAA tournament this year? Um, I mean, I, I would hope so. I think that they're probably the most talented team um, in the MAC. They also have, you know, a great head coach. Um, but at, to make the tournament, you know, in, when you're in the MAC, you really need to win the MAC. And Iona's done that, I think, four or five MAC tournaments in a row, but. You know, conference tournaments can be tough. Uh, teams always play their best, and you could get a team like Marist, who's not as good as Iona, but is going to keep the game close. Right. Uh, just because they're scrappy and they play good defense, they're bought into what their coach is saying, and that 
that could be an issue down the line. Right, and there's a team out there, Michael, Monmouth, where I think you know some guys from high school that went there. Uh, Monmouth is really good. They're very close to Iona talent-wise, so anything can happen. You are correct. Michael Masano, thank you for the call. You did a great job. Thank you. Thanks so much. Happy All right, to folks, be on. See you at home. All right, folks, that's the end of the show. We're winding down. I'm Jim Masano here at College Hoops Chat Weekly Radio Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of the show, and we'll see you next Monday. 60 WVOX.